Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, May 4th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, how are you? Are you recovered from the glut from of long discourse? Yeah. yeah. It uh, it was a lot. It's going to be a lot. You, you've talked about how many shows there are to see uh, over the past month. It is only going to get busier, not necessarily with shows, <laughs> but a lot of conversations, a lot of things going on. I'm looking forward to it. I, think I am one of the- too. I like award season for the most part. It's busy, obviously, but I'm actually, I feel like I've been in worse um, shape at this point of the season where I haven't mm-hmm. seen as many shows i've only got i think two or three left so i really i really don't have a lot more to go through yeah and i think it's nice when like we talked about yesterday there's really nothing to be super angry about i i I think like there's the the floor for this season was pretty high i don't think the ceiling was as high but I think the floor for what we saw this season, not only in the terms of the things that were nominated, but just the season as a whole, was pretty high. Like, I don't think I yeah, saw absolutely. very many things that I was like, that was really bad. There was a couple that I was like, no. that deserved to be on Broadway, but very few and far yeah, between. I, I, I just don't think, think there was anything. One. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> but there there wasn't as many that I was like, oh, my God, that was incredible. There were a few, and I'm hoping to see more when I'm in town in two weeks. But, you know, for the most part, it was... Hey, that's really good. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I'd yeah, much rather talk honestly. about that than be like, oh my God, I can't believe this was nominated or this is going to win. That does oh, not deserve totally. it, which we don't really have this year. I, yeah, I was just about to say, I mean, I feel like even, you know, we talked about shows that were had zero nominations yesterday. I feel like even in yeah. maybe all of those shows, I, I think all those shows, I could find something worth nominating. So there's nothing that's so undeserving of this season. Uh, you know, that shouldn't have been there. And we haven't always been able to say that in the past, so that's kind of nice. Yeah. No, especially coming off of the two seasons following the pandemic shutdown. Yeah, That, you know, where things were just so slow, we didn't have as many shows. There were 39 Tony-eligible productions this year. That's a lot. So Mm -hmm. um, I think that goes into a lot of it, that a lot of these shows that didn't get any nominations or got fewer nominations than maybe they expected in a normal year when there weren't as many shows probably would have done better and it might have been a somewhat different conversation but I'm excited to talk about this with you and uh, Grace and anybody else that we bring on over the next five weeks but you can hear all of those conversations first if you head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio broadwayradio.com slash patreon but Ashley we're going to start today's episode talking about some Tony Awards that I don't think are going to get a single bit of contradiction or anger spewed at them because it was announced on Wednesday that two absolute icons will finally be receiving the Tony Awards for Lifetime Achievement in the theater. The Tony administration committee announced that Joel Gray and John Kander will be receiving those awards this year. And how poetic and beautiful is it that those two will be receiving these awards together? Uh, so much of Joel Gray's career was tied into his role in a Kander and Ebb classic, obviously cabaret, both on stage and screen. So mm-hmm. it's really, really lovely. Um, what I think is super interesting is that we think of Joel Gray as this iconic performer still on stage fairly regularly, sure. but he's also become a really, really incredible director I as well. I was going well. to say, um, I feel like Joel Gray should get an achievement award based on his direction for Yiddish Fiddler alone and yeah, anything in else. In normal to heart. Be- 
Yeah, of course. But I mean, oh, God, just such an incredible production. Yeah, he obviously won the Tony Award in 1967 for the original Cabaret. He went on to be nominated four more times, three uh, as an actor for George M. Goodtime Charlie and the Grand Tour, and mm-hmm. then was nominated for Best Direction of a Play for The Normal Heart. John Kander, of course, has, you know, uh, a, like an unbelievable number uh, of nominations uh, and wins. Of course, he won for Best Musical and Best Composer and Lyricist for Cabaret back in 1967, had nominations for Happy Time, Zorba, Chicago, The Act, won Best Original Score for Woman of the Year, was nominated again for The Rink, won for Score for Kiss of the Spider Woman, then was again mm-hmm. nominated for Steel Pier, Curtains, The Scottsboro Boys, and The Visit. So it's not like these are oh, we didn't honor you during your careers with nominations and awards. And so we're going to like, this is like a lifetime achievement because we didn't recognize how great you were. This is like, you are so great. It's because you're actually the best. We have to do it all again and make a night of it. absolutely. Totally. And and as they should, as they should, because they're obviously pillars within the American and international theater community. Who could be better deserving of of a lifetime achievement award than this pair? Yeah, and it's it's great that we are giving them flowers while we can. John Kander oh, is ninety. Yeah, John Kander is ninety six years old, and Joel Gray is ninety one. So give these men <laughs> Joel, their Joel recognition. Joel Gray just seems like an absolutely ageless entity to me well, for as long he's as he's still, been a part of my life and john kander for that matter but yeah but it, joel gray is still giving it i don't know if you watched the tv show the old man he popped up no, in that show for like a couple episodes john lithgow's in it um so a lot a lot of stage presence but he's just so commanding and, and arresting in that uh in that show so just very ecstatic about these two having the opportunity to be celebrated on the Tony stage, assuming the Tony Awards actually happen, because thanks to the writer strike, we don't really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that later, I suppose. But uh, nonetheless, very excited about these two receiving this award. Unfortunately, we do have some pretty sad news to talk about here. Um, so speaking of people who are in their 90s. But yesterday we learned that absolute, I mean, Sondheim icon, Barbara Brin passed away at the age of 94. She appeared in just three Broadway shows, but two of them were not only Sondheim original productions, but also ones that were recorded and distributed via PBS and have lived on on DVD and streaming for Mm -hmm. generations since. She played the old lady and Blair Daniels in the original Broadway production of Sunday in the Park with George. Then she played Jack's mother in Into the Woods. She also did the, the show Hay Fever in between. But I have to tell you, like, the line readings that this woman gave in those shows, especially the Sondheim shows, obviously, mm-hmm. are legendary. There were, look, I loved this production of Into the Woods. I'm going to see it twice when it's here in Orlando. But there, and there were some great people who played uh, Jack's mother, including the dear Anne Harada. But nobody gives the line readings of Jack's mother. Of like course Barbara not. Like, yeah. It is just so incredible how the good she is. The slotted spoon can catch the potato. Yes. It's so, uh, she's just so good. Um, she, 
spent a lot of the the last few years of her life working in the Midwest. It was her death was actually confirmed by a representative from uh, Minnesota's Guthrie Theater, where Brynn had performed several times. Um, she was actually a a, a British born performer, but she came over to North America, working first in Canada and then obviously in New York uh, in the early '60s, but. You know, we are celebrating so many things Sondheim right now with all of these productions into oh, the woods is, being yeah. nominated, Sweeney Todd being nominated, Merrily coming up here. Um, it's, it's, it's sad, obviously, that she passed away despite the fact that at 94, you have to be pretty happy with that life. But it, it's sure. nice that she can kind of go out with Sondheim and into the woods at the, 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 the cultural touch point that it is. So we have the opportunity to kind of celebrate her in context more than we would have Absolutely. if those things weren't going on. And like you said, what an incredible short list of shows to have on your Broadway stage career. And two shows that were uh, filmed and released wide distribution. And obviously that being Sunday and Into the Woods. There's such an instrumental part of my life and my theater obsession, obviously Into the Woods being the first full staged production in that manner that I actually saw with that VHS at the time. Now it's obviously on YouTube and I watch it 700 times a week, but yeah, just an absolutely essential instrumental part of Sondheim's canon. Um, and what a lot of people have in their mind as these productions, these shows, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine them without seeing Barbara. Yeah, absolutely iconic. All right, let's get into uh, a little bit of money talk with last week's Broadway grosses. Overall, we got two new shows on Broadway last week. That was the one preview performance of Grey House at the Lyceum Theater. And then we had the very bizarre first three previews of the Sign and City Brewstein's Window, followed by... The five regular performances. It was a very strange week there. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. But, but that did get us to 35 total shows on Broadway and it lifted the grosses 1% or a little over $400,000 to $31,930,896 bucks last week. We also did see a 3% increase in attendance, but because we are in that period between spring breaks and the beginning of summer, we actually saw an average ticket price decline by 2%, um, a little bit like two and a half bucks to $117.80. Nonetheless, the Lion King still reigned supreme sitting on the top of Pride Rock, coming in at $2,155,372, followed by Hamilton at $1.8 million. Sweeney Todd, again, seven performances only at $1.8 million, followed by Wicked at $1.7 and MJ at $1.6. The rest of the shows north of seven figures in descending order are Funny Girl, Aladdin, Moulin Rouge, Cursed Child, Parade, and Juliet, and A Beautiful Noise. Peter Pan Goes Wrong was only like $11,500 away from a million bucks, which I am Oof. shocked yeah, and absolutely right? delighted by. Um, More MPH money still, I think, right? It, oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. He, he extended uh, further into this month. But it's super interesting to me that we have the Peter Pan Goes Wrong grossing nearly a million bucks last week. And the play that goes wrong is still playing at New World Stages on yeah. Broadway. So what a double day that would be for a lot of folks. Um, 
Other shows that saw fairly sizable increases in addition to Peter Pan Goes Wrong, uh, Prima Facie grew just south of $180,000 to come in at $987,000 last week, which is a, a very good thing, especially coming off of the phenomenal reviews that that one had. Uh, overall, everything else was moderate to, you know, moderate success. A lot of shows declined as we kind of came down. Uh, from some late spring breaks, but um, I'm interested here to see what happens for some of these shows that weren't doing super well. Yeah, exactly. Things like Kimberly Akimbo, which we've talked about, like, it's kind of been middling at best, just treading mm-hmm. water waiting for this moment. It actually declined to 36712 bucks last week. It is coming in at just under $420,000. That needs to, to keep up. Um, Surely shucked as well. Yeah, and Fat Ham. Yeah, Yeah, Fat Ham was holding steady at $370,000. Shucked is at $550,546. Like those things, you know, hopefully need to see some improvement just to stay alive post Tony's. Some like it hot as well um, is at $761,000 with leading the Tony nominations. I kind of... I know we talked about the system, but I kind of feel like this is going to be one of those shows that has a ton of nominations, like a Mean Girls, and doesn't win much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if the Tony nominations are going to give it enough bump to kind of keep going for a long time. This has a published break even of $900,000. That's been reported and confirmed. So it has to be making more money by a lot than it's making right now to continue going for the foreseeable future. And who knows if the Tony nominations or any potential Tony wins can help that, but mm. we'll see. This is a, a very fraught time for a lot of people for a lot of reasons, Ain't but uh, it'll be interesting to, and interesting to watch. All right, let's get into some other news. We've talked a lot about this upcoming uh, production of the who's Tommy that will reunite the uh, original creators, Pete Townsend, obviously of the who and Des McEnough, the director, they are reuniting to do the show in a completely new and original way at the Goodman Theater in Chicago this summer. In fact, rehearsals have already begun and they announced the complete cast on Wednesday. The show will be led by Ali Luis Borzgui, I think is his name. Um, he, he will be playing Tommy. His father, Captain Walker, will be played by Adam Jacobs. His sister, of course, will be leading Here Lies Love on Broadway, which is cool. Uh, his mother will be played by Allison Luff. Joining them in the cast will be John Ambrosino as Uncle Ernie, Bobby Conti, late of, of company on Broadway as Cousin Kevin, and Christina Sejus, who has one of the most incredible voices on mm-hmm. Broadway. Absolutely. At, as the Acid Queen. Um, performances will begin in Chicago on June 13th. The reason we've talked about this a lot is because we just kind of assume that it's coming to Broadway. This has long been rumored to be something that is is aiming for Broadway. And when you get a cast like this to do a show in Chicago with the original director of the show back to rehelm, you kind of feel like it's coming. Uh, the creative team also might suggest that. You've got a ton of Tony nominations in this creative team with choreography by Lauren Lotaro, set designed by David Corrins, sound designed by Gareth Owen, production design by Peter Negrini. It's just like, okay, they're not. It feels just like doing it's going to be a good fit for a Broadway stage. Yes. Yeah. And it's just kind of a, a matter of time before this one leaves the second city and comes to uh, the greatest city in the world. 
Speaking of that, the greatest city in the world, uh, quoted often in Hamilton. Yesterday, Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, sent out a little, uh, I guess it was Instagram message, teasing a potential upcoming ham for ham. He said that there would be a bit of a... uh, uh, a collaboration between the Broadway cast of Hamilton and their neighbors uh, on 46th Street in the production of Sweeney Todd. Didn't say what it is, but it did have a picture of Josh Groban as Sweeney and then Len doing something that looks vaguely Sweeney related. Mm-hmm. Um, so some sort of crossover episode will be happening on Friday outside of the Richard Rogers at 4 p.m. Um I miss these. Like these were fun. Like I, I, know. I know a lot of people got tired of them, and this sure, led to a every lot of the day. And there was so many yes. of them, and it went on for so long. But I mean, uh, you know, whether you were there in person or you were just watching the videos from home, so much joy every time. Yeah, absolutely, and and like they're fun because we don't see we see like the performances we see are usually from shows are usually the really well rehearsed ones they're on you know morning shows or or late night shows or they are the packages that are put out by the the advertising and marketing teams so to have people just like jamming out on a sidewalk holding mics hooked up to like a portable speaker and alex lackamore playing like the little handheld keyboard that you have to blow into to make noise like that's just (laughs) melodica there you go thank you you're the musician in the group not me um (laughs) That's just fun. So, like, who knows what Lynn and Josh Groban are going to do? They have been friends for a long time. I believe Josh Groban was on the Hamilton mixtape as well. Um, but nonetheless, Ooh, looking I forward to this. Might have been. I don't remember, honestly. I think he was. I think he was. Um, but whatever they decide to come up with for this performance I'll be very happy. will be very fun. Yeah. yeah. And, and we'll watch it and we will probably bring it to you. Um, yeah, surely. Unless yeah. we're off that day or forgetful. Well, it's going to happen on Friday, so we'll bring it on Monday. There so. you Anyway. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap up with something else that is also very joyful. On Tuesday, the cast for the Kennedy Center's run of Monty Python's Spamalot met with the press and did some performances, and they are fantastic. The Kennedy Center has mm-hmm. put out a highlight reel of James Monroe Eichelhart, Leslie Kritzer, Rob McClure, Michael Yuri, uh, Matthew Saldivar, Nick Walker, um, so many great people in here. You can see the highlights. Um, a lot of those people have been guests here on Broadway Radio, by the way. Mm-hmm. And um, so here's the story. I screwed up my calendar and I thought, oh, wait, Spamalot's going to be running the second weekend that I'm supposed to be in New York. I'm just going to change my flight to leave out of dc i'm gonna take a train from new york to see the show on the on may 20th which is the saturday and i'll fly out that night or sunday morning Uh the problem is that's not that's not the second weekend i'm going to be in new york it's the first weekend i'm going to be in new york (laughs) so i got tickets in washington dc to see spam a lot on the same day that i already had tickets to see sweeney todd in new york so perfect um, i've got a I've got a Spamalot ticket if anybody wants to buy it off me. Um, I believe Grace and F are actually going to be in town uh, to see it. So they might ha- have somebody yeah, who wants to maybe. go with them. But uh, but I've got a ticket. Really good seat. Uh, face value. Just, You'll you just know, be at Sweetie whatever. instead. I will be at Sweetie instead. I yeah. could not make that. If I could have done both, I would yeah, have. You certainly would have possible. tried. I feel I like that's not very – <laughs> Sorry. Not possible. Yeah. That's right. No time so, periods uh, yet or anything. 
Yeah, hit me up. Uh, if there's like a warp zone or something for any uh, Mario Brothers fans, just let me know. I'm, yes. I'm happy to do that instead. But um, I actually bought a ticket. To, I'm seeing the Goodbye Girl at that same time with uh, Santino Fontana and of course. Uh, Sierra Bogus. So anyway. <laughs> You'll uh, be somewhere, you know but not I will be yeah, in D.C. Not in D.C. Not in D.C., but anyway that's all that we have for today thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt ashley where can people find you you can find me on instagram at no this is ashley all right everybody have a wonderful thursday and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow 